Hi, this is Joe Shannon. I'm a lawyer, a husband, a father of six kids, and I also uh, host a podcast called Opening Statement with Joe Shannon. Please consider listening to our podcast on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple, and any other folks that host podcasts. Just Google Joe Shannon and podcast and you'll find it. I hope you enjoyed the show. We're here today with Ann Shannon. How are you today, Ann? I'm very good. Thank you, Joseph. So we know each other, don't we? Yes, we do. We're siblings. We, we go back a long ways, don't we? Yes, we do. I'm so, three years your senior. So um, one of my indelible memories, uh, I don't know why it is, is when you and I and our sister Maureen got the chicken pox and we were all together at one time. You remember that? Yes, I do. All <laughs> being miserable together with oatmeal. <laughs> so that, so it kind of brings us all back to 2020 when we had this such a, you know, horrible thing going on in our country with this COVID virus. And we're all quarantined, but we're all a little bit older now. So um, it's been a long journey since that time, hasn't it? It sure has. And it's been pretty interesting to think about how our children, this is the first really big thing that they have had to go through, where we've gone through, you know, similar times with 9-11. And then, you know, if you were affected at all, like I was affected by an earthquake, you know, a fire, things like that, that just things that change your life um, pretty delicately. So, but for a lot of the millennials out there, they have never had to go through anything like this. So let's talk a, bit, a little bit about your journey here. So throughs at fast food, people would drive through for milk, ice cream, yogurt, sour cream. And it was just me in this location. And, um, you just pretty much connected with everybody from the window. How old were you? I think I started right when I was 16, exactly when I could. So what motivated you as a 16-year-old to get a job? Well, probably because we really didn't have any money, much money growing up. And that's not a complaint, but a reality. And that if we wanted to go and do things with our friends or do anything that was, you know, entertainment related, we had to figure out how to make that money on our own. So necessity was the one, was the reason that you did that, huh? Yes. Oh, good. And then, so, so you, you started doubling up doing, working while you're in high school. Did that have it continue in your life? Yeah, I think all of us kind of were spurned with the fact that we had to, we had to, uh, you know, earn our own income. And I think that was a challenge for us a positive challenge in that nothing really came super easy. Yeah. It seems like in our, in our society, um, you know, um, sometimes a, um, an upbringing where, you know, you're economically challenged and you're kind of pushed out of your comfort zone can kind of lead to a, I don't know, a, a different type of outlook as, as you're looking for your jobs and your employment and, and your education. Don't you think? 
Yeah, I think it's not just survival, though. I think there's a lot of innovation and creativity that comes out of that process with people when they put themselves out there. Yeah, so I, um, one of the things that, that I've always uh, looked at um, with your career is all the different places you've worked, and, and it's come to um, kind of a head here um, with you heading up a company. Uh, why don't you tell the listeners what your company is? Sure. So <clears throat> I worked in the HR arena, mostly senior level positions, um, for about 30 years, and just was ready for a change. And I had to really think about what was I good at. So I did some pretty high-level consulting projects and really enjoyed um, that work. I liked working on the business side, but also staying tapped into the talent management side. So I um, purchased a firm that focuses on three things. Um, first is HR consulting. So everything from helping people develop a strategy or a structure or succession planning, whatever they need in the HR arena. Um, executive coaching, I do a lot of that. Um, the second area is staffing. And I do kind of that mid to highest level C-suite recruiting. Um, recruiting is something I always enjoyed to do. I really like the psychology behind it. I like finding the right fit. I like really partnering up people with the right fit for them short and long term. So, um, and then the third part is as people need help through special projects or initiatives, or maybe someone's on leave, we do interim staffing as well. Those are shorter term assignments. So let's talk about um, your credentials for this. So um, I, I think a lot of life, um, you know, you go through a lot of experiences in your life, a lot of jobs, et cetera. Why don't you, um, why don't we go through some of the, the moves that you made? You went to, to high school in Yakima, and then you ended up going to um, Western Washington University out in Bellingham, Washington? Yes. <clears throat> I um, degreed in, um, got a bachelor's degree in sociology with a minor in business. Um, I think growing up with our father being a caseworker, um, I liked that social side, but I also really liked the business aspects of how you bring um, that kind of dichotomy to the workplace. How do you get people engaged around the work? So HR was a natural path for me. Um, and I was fortunate because another good thing about being with a big family is um, the market was really um, tight at the time I graduated. And so I went to DC to visit my sister, Mary Jo. And um decided to stay there. There was lots of opportunity at the time and I really didn't have anything tying me down. So I lived there for three years and worked for a home health care firm. That was when it was just becoming a really big um, new part of the healthcare arena. And then I also worked for um, as a manager for a staffing agency that did a lot of uh, direct staffing for the World Bank. So um, those were really good jobs where I had a lot of responsibility and I didn't know what I didn't know. So I had to be highly resourceful. Um, later, I moved back to Seattle and worked for Red Robin um, as their head of training um, for all of the restaurants. Um, I did that for almost three years. Also did some corporate work with them in the HR arena. Let's back up here. Okay. So 
I, I remember this Red Robin job pretty well because um, <laughs> you had a bratty little brother who decided that uh, he'd ask his sister for a summer job. Do you remember that? Yes, I do. And so um, I, I'll have to, I'll have to uh, be very honest with listeners. Um, when I was younger, I did not have the best moral compass. And so um, my sister got me a job at a Red Robin, which for listeners that don't understand what Red Robin is, um, it's a hamburger emporium type place where people, you know, it's a step above a McDonald's type of thing where you sit down and you order your, order your hamburger, et cetera. In any event, um, I had asked for a, um, a job. And, and so being the extremely vain person that I was, I thought that I, you know, I think I was 21. I thought I would, you know, I'd be, um, I wanted to be a bartender right away. I, um, it may have coincided with that movie cocktail with Tom Cruise. I thought, Hey, listen, I'd be in the, <laughs> I'd like, I'd be on the beach doing, making, you know, uh, cocktails, et cetera. And anyway, I got hired as a, a bus boy and, um, within a week or two, I was promptly gave them my apron and said, no, thank you. And I did not even think about my poor sister who had got a job. But uh, did, did you remember getting any hot water for that, Yeah. Oh, I remember it all. But, you know, when I started, I had to do every single job in that place from, you know, dishwasher. And the bar was the last place I wanted to be because they had pretty complex uh, drinks back then, like lots of ice cream and things like that. So I knew that. I wasn't going to be the best waitress or bus person or whatever, but it was a good learning experience. Yeah. So then, so you were there for about three years in Seattle. Then, then where else did you go? Um, we got married and then I moved to California. Um, Red Robin was moving its corporate offices to Irvine. I went down there, but um, unfortunately, you know, they weren't willing to pay any relocation or give an increase in salary. And California was expensive then. So this is back where, not a lot of computers. And so I applied for multiple jobs and ended up again, followed my sister, Mary Jo. She was living down there then and um, had the opportunity to work for a uh, company called Softcat, which was part of a much bigger organization out of New York called Baker and Taylor. So I really got to start learning the corporate business in addition to small business growth. Um, so I was head of HR there, and then I had the opportunity to move to um, Harmon International, and I worked for a consumer part of their business, which was audio loudspeakers, and then was promoted to head of HR for all consumer business, which was a really big job back then for my age. So, oh, yeah. But I learned, I think I was... Um, 28. Wow. So you're late twenties and, and, and you're head of HR for a pretty big company, huh? Right. And doing a lot of travel and, you know, things that you just, until you do it, you don't get exposure to. So really those were my formative years, I would say in California, where you're raising a family, you're trying to figure out how to manage work and home and you're, you know, learning and developing your career. Um, but we did have an agreement that, as much as I enjoyed my jobs there and financially was a positive position, 
I really missed being in the Northwest. So we had agreed that by the time my son was six um, and starting first grade, that we'd be back in Seattle. Great. So then you, you ended up moving your way up I-5 and or 101 if you wanted the slow route. And That's then you right. went up to Seattle and where'd you start there? Um, I literally took a few months and got my kids settled and started at Starbucks. And I've heard um, of that place. Do they Is it a coffee joint? Yeah, it's a coffee joint. It's back in the world where they used to call it the Cowboy and Indian days. Uh, they were only about 500 million at that time. And so I was able to get in there and um, they asked me to help the rest of the HR team understand how to build an HR business partnership role, which is really working with the business to identify what type of talent do we need now and in the future? How are we gonna grow this business? I worked with the field in, in growing a lot of their locations. And then I worked with a lot of teams that um, supported the field. So I worked with marketing and food and beverage and um, all the groups that supported anything that ended up in a store. So when, and when, so, when did, so let's, let's move back. This is, this is kind of the fascinating stuff that I like, the, the backstory. So at, at that time, do you remember what year that was that you, you joined Starbucks about? 1995. Okay, so 25 years ago. So you, you, you yep. were at Starbucks. Do you know how many employees they had about that time? I would say they had about, oh, geez, um, probably about 5,000, 8,000. Wow. And it wasn't and was it, huge. And they were just building the global enterprise. They were just building international. So did, did you ever run into the, the fella that, that really got it going? Yeah, I worked really closely with the senior leadership, with Howard and with Oren, and everyone was by a first name basis. Um, people were really, really just fast and furious back then. I had the opportunity to work where things were really gray. You had to deal with ambiguity. Working with the risk was was okay. Um, and some people are really good with ambiguity, others aren't. And that's probably why HR is really helpful at those times. You can help people kind of cope through crazy times and crazy growth. And I also got to work with um, two of my best experiences were probably working with um, integrations where we did uh, mergers and acquisition and brought new companies in. Taza was one of my favorite ones that we did and getting to bring them into the organization in a way that you had to focus on their culture. So you, you were part of that when, when Starbucks uh, acquired Tazo Tea and, and incorporated them into the, the big family of Starbucks yes. companies? Yes. Uh, so mm -hmm. it's, was Tazo somewhere down the Bay Area? No, it was in Oregon, Portland, Oregon. Really? Yeah. So tell me about that. What, what was interesting about that process? Well, I think what was interesting is that one good thing that Howard was really good at saying, let's, what are, what's core to who we are? And that was coffee, but what complements our brand and obviously tea and things like chocolate and um, other things that we wanted to incorporate into our offerings. So tea was a natural and me being a tea lover, um, it really just matched my passion. And to this day, I still drink that tea. I mean, it's some of the best that's out there. But just understanding the the alignment between their process and the um, it's a very similar process to coffee, um, and they take it very seriously and it's very um, meticulous and really well respected. 
So that was a really good experience for me, adopting them and kind of bringing the culture, the two cultures together. And so you worked there at Starbucks for a number of years, huh? Yeah, almost seven years. And so um, I was I was looking up the number of stores they have now, and they have 28,218 stores. It's amazing. And then, so, um, but you weren't there. I mean, so let me see if I, I got this right. They, they have, right now they have, in 2018, I think the latest number is that they have 291,000 employees. And uh, so we were there when it was five. Yeah, 5,000. I would say five to 8,000. I don't know, because we were doing um, the agreements internationally were more franchise agreements to start. So I don't know if they were really our employees. Okay. So, it seems like so long. Yeah, ago. and so um, you weren't there when, when uh, Howard acquired the name, right? No. That was before. And so did, did he bought the actual name from somebody, didn't he? Yeah. The people that, that he worked with, I believe it was Pete's Coffee. There was a number of them that worked together. Really? I yeah. remember growing up in uh, in Yakima and, and then, you know, I, I remember hearing something about Starbucks eventually, them and Nordstrom's, and it seemed like they both came up and got huge around the same time. Yeah, branding was a big thing to them, you know, and I think um, it was a really good scenario for me to learn. You know, we I, I was there when they started their first product management function, um, how you take a product from inception to implementation in a store. Um, I was there when they brought on their first chief marketing officer out of Nike. Um, so just organizationally, I learned how to build infrastructure and how to scale. Um you know, you just kind of learned along with everyone else. And at certain times they brought consultants on that helped us do that work, but very formative time. Did you, so, so uh, taking what you learned from that during that time, that seven year period from Starbucks, has that helped you at all in your career in, in some of the projects you're doing now? Oh, absolutely. So tell me, tell, yeah, you know, really tell me about some of the projects you're working on now that, that, are helpful to, to growing corporations that want to be the next Starbucks? Sure. Well, a couple of my clients, I just, um, unfortunately, we're on a hold right now with one company, but UPF Planet Fitness is an organization that has the largest um, number of um, purchase franchisees. Um, they're owned by American Securities at this time. So we have been, I have been working with them and two other consultants in recreating and transforming all of their HR practices. So we looked at their strategy. We looked at their developing their people strategy, um, integrating everything around a competency-based framework. So we have a very collaborative process where we've been working with those teams to identify what do they want all their people practices to look like. It's highly collaborative. Um, and so that's one of my clients. Another client um, is two gaming companies and then their corporate offices and really working with them as they grow and scale, um, getting a lot of their individual contributors who have never managed people to, to understand what it takes now to be a manager, a leader and coaching them 
on certain events that are happening, certain things they're trying to accomplish, how to go about coaching your team and providing direction and improving communication. So um, that's a big part of what I do. So you've been, um, a, you've lived it with Starbucks and then we're going to hear about a few others in the future, but is, is that experience of you growing, help, helping to grow a company, um, how, if, if, like for example, say, say a company uh, like Planet Fitness or some other uh, company is looking for somebody that's got real world experience, um, are you that person that can, that can tell them, hey, listen, this, this works, this doesn't work? Yeah, I think my experience on the ground has really prepared me to have really honest conversations with senior management and said, listen, I've been there. I've been part of the C-suite team. I've been part of a building an infrastructure. I've been part of a group that's had to scale back, that's had to look at downsizing. Um, I've had to be reactionary at times where, you know, you wish that you were more strategic. I've had to build a pipeline of talent. So I think that lends itself, whether it's about me helping people with staffing or organizational structures or consulting, I think that there's my experience lends itself to say, well, okay, she's been on the ground. She knows this. She's not going to just come in and, you know, tell me what a traditional model looks like and how so to apply let, that. Let's, let's go further here. You, you're there for, at Starbucks for 2002, and then you decide to, to move to a different uh, company. What company is that? So I moved to Savers um, TDI, and this was a global company in Australia, U.S., and Canada that half the, half the company is a re major recycling organization, and that's when recycling was becoming real big, and the other half was retail stores. So I really was missing not being in a global role and doing international work. So it provided me an opportunity to rebuild the entire human resource function, to collaborate with a lot of the leadership and identifying what they'd like to get accomplished to meet their growth expectations and really build, build their talent, process and tools that really will help the managers be effective every day. Um, you know, where, where do you want to go as an organization and how can I help you get there? For great. Your so you worked for that company for how long? Almost so seven years. and seven. So then yeah. after you went to Savers, you did the international stuff with Australia and all the different places. Then where'd you go? Where'd you go to that after that? Um, I did a little consulting and then I went to Amazon. I've heard um, of that company. Yeah. So, so that company, it's uh, small company. I was, it was, it was uh, interesting. I, I was having lunch with uh, uh, a number of guys that I, that I have lunch with. I try to monthly, but I haven't been able to do it lately. And they were all sitting around there. These guys are mostly retired. And they were talking about this guy who was coming around Chicago some years ago. And he was talking about selling this thing called a Kindle. And he was trying to, to <laughs> sell it as the next big thing, the next big thing that's going to happen. And uh, his name was Jeff Bezos. And uh, mm -hmm. so you end up working, working, working with Jeff, huh? Yeah, I supported, um, I was the head of HR for global technology. So again, I felt like in Seattle, I had worked with a lot of engineers in the past on the sound music side and general engineers, but I'd never worked with product engineers. So 
I thought if I'm going to be in Seattle, I really should get that exposure. So they hired me on as the head of HR for what year was that? That was in 2000. How long were you with them? I was there a little over three. So let me, let me, let me, let me get this right. So 2006, what is here? Here we are in 2020. What did Amazon look back like back in 2006? Oh, geez. So we were just building the infrastructure in India. So I got to be part of that. Um, we were really growing fast. Again, fast and furious. AWS. I, so I supported AWS infrastructure and the sellers. What does AWS mean? So the sellers are the web services, Amazon web services. So they work with businesses to support their um, platforms. And the sellers work with people who want to sell things on Amazon. And so they go out and they work with whether it's the big guys at Target and everything else and do their distribution for him or other big companies. So um, it was a pretty big job in the sense that a lot of it was new. Um, there was a definite war for talent then. So working for three of the top people that supported, you know, they all reported into Jeff. But I learned a lot about talent there. And I learned a lot about um, working at the most senior level there because everybody was trying to grow their businesses. They were fairly siloed. And so that made it difficult to get alignment sometimes around making the best decisions so they, for the business. So they, was the, I don't know if I'm understanding this correctly, but there was different folks that were trying, they were in silos that were trying to grow their, their business, their specific divisions uh, vertically. And then Jeff was looking at all of them and seeing which one was going to take off. Yeah, so he was in support of all of them from a silo perspective. But when you brought all those people together, there tended to be some interesting um, dynamics around the talent, uh, performance management, um, moving people around the organization. I mean, there was a lot of opportunities there. Um, I would just say it was a great learning for me. It wasn't... um, a lot of ambiguity, but a lot of opportunity. I loved building the infrastructure, helping build the infrastructure in India. Um, I thought that was a real growth experience for me. Um, I learned the importance of data and information and storytelling around numbers. Um, you know, I had never written a white paper before in order to get something across the finish line and approved. Um, so, and we did some really interesting projects there around why are we losing critical people to Microsoft and Yahoo over $5,000? So we, we had some pretty interesting things to work out as far as how we sold ourselves and then how we were operating inside to make sure we were retaining people. So um, I would just say it was a great experience. It just ultimately wasn't the right culture for me, for my own personal growth and development, but it was a great Okay, so experience. you're 2009, you're fresh off working at some unbelievably growth companies, Starbucks, then Savers, then uh, Amazon. What, what, what do you choose to go to next? Well, I was intrigued by another global company. <clears throat> I had talked to them for a while. And this is before the financial crisis, but it was um, Colliers International. So it's a global real estate company who had offices, um, large offices in Washington was their corporate headquarters. And 
Canada was a very big operation and in Australia. So I think my experience with Savers really lended itself there working in those three locations and they wanted to redo everything in HR. So again, I was a chief HR officer kind of working at the C-suite, planning growth, planning systems, process tools to really help them build their talent and grow their business. Wow, and how long were you there? Um, well, unfortunately, that ended in, let's see. I think I was there just over two years because the crisis hit and we had just built out an entire C-suite and all their infrastructure and I had to literally close a lot of that down. We had gone from a centralization practice to back to decentralization. So I was one of the last people staying. I think we we left one person in their role. Um, so it was unfortunate, but Sure, I mean, we, none of us controls, the, you know, the, the real estate market, uh, you know, like the crash in 2008 and the decline after that. And then this this present crisis that's going on, um, there's going to be a lot of losers in this whole thing. And there's going to be a lot of, you know, folks yeah. that see the opportunities. But um, so so it's good for you to have gone to see all these different growth companies and companies that are growing that actually ran into, you know, the actual reality of, you know, a downturn. So what did you end up doing after 2011? Well, I, I think I did a, um, oh, I know what I did. I did a consulting project for Panda Restaurants, which was really exciting. It was, they were really growing their business. Um, and they had a couple high-end restaurants and then they had Panda, which was the largest. And they wanted to, um, I spent a summer doing this project with another consultant build a career path, bringing in MBA students into real estate to become their next real estate directors because they are growing really fast. So we built a whole kind of, you know, facilitated program in addition to web-based, in addition to time on the ground program. It took us about six months and really effective program, really fun, totally different. But my time at Starbucks. I worked really closely with store development. So I knew the real estate function pretty well. And I think between Collier's and Starbucks, it allowed me to lend myself to that type of work. Um, so I did that. And then I was approached by um, a financial services organization. And I'd never worked in financial services before. Uh, BECU, which is Boeing Employee Credit Union. The, hold and on a second. Is, now, this this Boeing time, Employee Credit Union... It, that's one of the larger credit unions in the country, isn't it? Right. Second largest okay, so you, in the country. And what, what role did they have you there? They had a, a chief, chief human resources officer job. Well, these are stacking and up here, Anne. The so we got uh, the Starbucks role. We got the international role of savers. We got Amazon, the global stuff. We got Collier's, the chief officer in HR, and now you're head of HR for the biggest credit union or the second biggest credit union in the country. This is a pretty good lead up to where you're going, isn't it? Yeah, no, it was a, it was a great job. It was, it was an interesting time again, because through this financial crisis, there was a lot of people that decided they didn't want to be eaten up by you know, a lot of the institution that were charging fees to everybody. So there was this huge movement here specifically to um, join 
um, and, and build trust in their financial organization. So BCU grew tremendously while I was there. Like, you know, the, the CEO um, went through a transition after about two and a half years. Um, great guy. He was ready to retire. But like they, they just grew through huge amounts because they, there was a lot of people that just didn't trust the financial organization through this crisis. So I was able to do a collaborative process, hire team members and hire people to work with me to recreate all the people practices um, and see considerable growth. I was there for about, I was all right. So, so you, you grew, you helped grow that company and grow the trust back in that company. And then what did you do after that? Um, I actually was asked by a, a CEO of a large credit union based in Kansas City, Community America, to go and do what I did at BCU. She had come by and did a best practice visit and said, will you come and help me do this? So I spent almost a year with them and worked with a few other consultants that I'd worked with before, one other consultant, sorry. And we did that for them. So I really, every other week was in Kansas City working with Community America Credit Union, helping them redevelop a lot of their people practices. So, so that brings us to your present company, doesn't it? Right. So when I was there, I also hired their chief human resource officer. Um, so I was still do I was doing a little staffing then too. And then I made the decision with, um, I knew a woman, Rosie Coe, for years, um, became a good friend over time. And I had leveraged her experience with her company many times when I was trying to find great talent. And she was ready to make a change. And she's, you know, still partnering with me in some, in some modes. But for the most part, she wanted to get into more creative work. And so um, we worked on an agreement to become business partners. And that's what got me to, you know, become you know the leader and tell, of my tell everybody what, what your business is so it's a um, hr talent source is a hr consulting firm in addition to um, staffing and staffing is more corporate staffing so obviously we do a lot of hr staffing here in the northwest um, but nationally i've done a lot of c-suite staffing so people that are at that chief marketing officer chief financial officer treasurer you know, um, primarily director level and above positions. So let me ask you a question. Um, as a trial lawyer, you know, I, I get out to talk to a lot of jurors and, and try and figure out whether or not the jurors actually want to be on that jury or, or and also uh, whether I think that um, they could be fair to my client. During your years and decades of, of work, do you think that you have a pretty good read on who's a good fit for a specific corporation or firm? Um, I think I do. Um, I try to do a lot of upfront kind of assessment with them. I have some pretty good tools that helps me really understand what are you looking for and what does that look like and what does success look like to you and where do you see this person five years from now? So I care as much as my about my candidates as I do my clients because I want to put them in a good space. A lot of our candidates become our future clients. So the experience on both ends is really and important. So right now, the country's kind of in a scary point here. We, we've, 
you know, we're, we're speaking right now, um, end of March in 2020. And, um, you know, the president just gave a, you know, basically told everybody that, Hey, let's stand still and, and physically distance from each other for another month of all of April. And a lot of folks are laying off people and they're into, uh, contraction. And, um, what, what are some of, what are some of your thoughts on, on, your vision as to what's going to be happening in corporate America? Well, my, you know, I think just the importance of connecting with people right now is really important. Um, a lot of my clients are, are working remote and that's really a different process for them, especially if they're social people and they're leading teams. So I think the importance of connection and keeping people wired and focused on the work is really important. Um, I also think lending yourself to support people that have been impacted through a layoff, a reduction of force, and making sure they know, hey, this too shall pass. Um, I lend myself out a lot to people that have been impacted because not only can I help them, but maybe I can send their resumes to people if it's not something I would normally recruit for. Um, But I also think it's an opportunity for companies to be focused on how do we kind of rebrand ourselves when we come back out of this? What is our what are the mitigating factors that help us hold people together and, you know, stay as focused as we can six months out versus just getting us through April. Um, I think there's no question we're going to rebound, you know, America rebounds, but it's not going to be moving the ship super fast. So I'm trying to be creative about how I can help people, how I can lend myself, especially on the coaching side, and connecting with people to keep their, you know, their frame of mind in a positive state. Even my clients that I've hired for, just checking in with them. How are you doing? You know, how are you working through this? Um, helping them, because a lot of them don't know what they're going to do. They don't know how they're going to be impacted financially. Um, so I think, you know, from a consultative standpoint, that's so probably let, my So let me shift right gears now. here. I, um, I always try and, you know... Uh, talk to people about uh, some of the defining moments and, you know, maybe you could tell us a defining moment in your personal life that you thought, Hey, listen, um, you know, the, the light bulb went on it off in your mind that, Hey, I could make a difference. I could, I could be that person that, that provides value to a lot of people and make a difference in a lot of people's lives. Are there are any that you can, I'm sure you've had many, many of those, but are there any that you could speak to? Yeah, I would say I like working on the creative, innovative side. So I'm more of a builder than a sustainer. So when I'm presented to situations like with Amazon to help with the infrastructure growth, um, when I was presented with opportunities to you know grow globally and there weren't a lot of rules and guidelines, that's when I know I do best. So those were defining moments to me when I was able to build something brand new with a team of people and prove that it could work. Um, I also think, you know, going through some of these downturns and just having a lot of empathy around what people are going through and not thinking so much, how does this affect me is compelling for people. Um, And helping, you know, I tend to help a lot of young people that are struggling. You know, I've had the opportunity through, I know Joseph, You've referred me to um, a friend of yours who works at Northwest University 
And just talking to young people coming out of schools, a lot of them are global and international around how to navigate their way through the work environment. It, times are very different from when I started. So I, I'm able to share stories and, you know, go through examples and laugh with them and tell them, you know, the importance of getting off their PCs and getting off their phones and really looking at someone in the eye and shaking their hands and building relationships is more critical than ever, I think. Uh, good point. So I wanted to wrap this up and, and, uh, and I'm hopeful that, that we'll be able to talk to you again, because I, I, I mean, the story that you, that, um, or actually this journey that you've gone on going through these unbelievably tightened companies and being a part on the ground up, you know, starting from the ground up and, and building them up and then going internationally. You've come a long way from Yakima, Washington, haven't you? Absolutely. <laughs> but, Absolutely. Uh, you know, I, um, yeah, I'm yeah. Fortunate. So I, um, I'm hopeful that we'll talk again on, uh, on our podcast, but I know folks are going to enjoy this. And if people wanted to get a hold of you, Ann, what's, what's the best way for them to get a hold of you? Um, I have uh, my email is Anne, A-N-N-E, at hrtalentsource.com. And um, I have a website, hrtalentsource.com. That's great. com. Presently out of Seattle, Washington. And uh, thank you so much for joining us, Anne. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Joseph. Thank you for listening to the opening statement with Joe Shannon. You can find us on the internet at shannonlawgroup.com or telephone our office at 312-578-9501. Have a terrific day.